I just want to do God's will. What you're seeking is a blessing from God. You must expect a miracle. You have the power of choice. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to Life Today Live. Randy Robinson with you here. And uh, if you see the title of this one, you know, we have bad things happen to us. Uh, bad things happen to good people. And, and the natural question is, why, why would God even allow that? You know, and there are different answers. Uh, sometimes there's no satisfactory answer. I, 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 I can't always tell you. I, I wouldn't always know. What I do know is that we have a God who can take all things and work them together for good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And actually, our adversity can become an advantage. And we've heard stories time and time again here on Life Today and on the broadcast show of people who have experienced that exact thing in their lives. And and so Scripture says it, so I believe it to be true, but I've also seen it in people's lives, which is encouraging, especially if, you, if you're going through something rough right now, you've been through something recently, just know that it can turn. And that's what today's guest says. Uh, my guest is uh, one of the favorites here at Life Today. Is, we, we call him Steve. His name is Stephen K. Scott. So uh, when you go to like his website, you'll go to stephenkscott.com. He's the author of several books that we featured on Life Today, and you've probably seen, including The Richest Man Who Ever Lived, uh, The Greatest Words Ever Spoken, and one called Mentored to Be a a Millionaire, which he achieved. He's also an entrepreneur. Uh, He's had several successful companies, including uh, Total Gym Fitness, you might have heard of. He also has the Knowing Him podcast. But today we're talking about his new book. It is called The Joseph Principles, and it looks just like this. It is out now. It is available. And I don't know, maybe if you ask real, real nicely, you'll get, you'll get the autograph. I don't know. I can't guarantee that. This is mine. Nice note inside. Because that's the kind of guy that Stephen is. He'll, he'll write you the nice note and send you the book um, if, if you know him like, like we do, which is great. Anyway, uh, Steve, great to have you. This time, it was the first time you've been on Life Today Live. No, you had me on years it? ago. Okay, you yeah, know, I, I, yeah, we did it in the we did it in the studio. Oh, you will see that, that's the oh, okay, that was upstairs. Yeah, so but since the Zoom thing, I, I can't believe I've gone two and a half years. But anyway, it's great to have you, and I'm excited oh, about this it's new so book. Good to be here. You're telling me that this this I mean I know as a writer you're always excited about your, your latest work, but this one's very significant to you. It is. I. Um, my best friend, as you know, was Gary Smalley, and Gary died March uh, 6, 2016. I was there the week he died with him, and, and uh, Gary had been my best friend and mentor for 43 years, mm-hmm. and I had seven books that I was working on at the time that the publishers wanted, and um, when he died, I lost my heart mm-hmm. for, for writing. I, it, it just went away. Mm-hmm. Uh, I couldn't explain it. Uh, big. I didn't realize Gary had such a big piece of my heart, but I died. I grieved. He died, and my heart died, a big part of it with him. And um, then I was hospitalized with COVID, hallelujah, uh, in 2020 in December. And you know what? Um, I remember three or four things about that week that I was in the hospital. That's it, three or four things. One, at 2.20 in the morning, I woke up. It was totally dark, and God said something very clear to me. 
he said, um, you're in the final period of your life and I want you to pick up your calling. It's time to get off the bench and get busy. Hmm. And, um, he didn't say it in a, in a gentle way. Hmm. It was, it was pretty hard spanking, uh, for me. And, uh, so I got out of the hospital and started working on the Joseph principles, which I had, I had done initial work on research and so on years earlier, but I just, never, it was one of the seven books that I was working on. And, um, what the Joseph principle, it's really, you know, people say, have asked me for years, when are you going to do a follow-up to the richest man who ever lived? Um, because that book is in 30 languages and went all over the world. And even now it's used in Bible studies. I just did a, uh, I was asked to speak and on it. And um, the truth is this is the follow-up and it goes a lot better. It's much more important. It's, it's far deeper, uh, not deeper. That's the wrong word. It is far more important to a person's relationship with Christ uh, than even the richest man who ever lived. Uh, the principles are from the life of Joseph. We see 12 principles that every believer wishes they had, a much stronger faith. We see a faith in God's sovereignty and love, even though he had that faith in the midst of terrible tragedy, sold into slavery at 17, went to prison. His prison didn't get three meals a day. Believe me, he was in a cave. He couldn't even stand up. And uh, for the years he was there, uh, horrible circumstances, and yet, and yet his faith in God was amazing. His intimacy with God, where he could hear God's whispers every day. Hmm. Uh, his ability to love like God loves. His ability to forgive yeah. like God forgives. Okay? All of those things in Joseph, we see him, but he didn't tell him how tell us how to how we could have him. Guess who did? Uh, Sixteen hundred yeah. years later, Jesus comes on this on the scene. And he tells us everything we know to have a faith greater than Joseph, have an intimacy with God. Uh, you know, we all know about God. Intimacy is coming into union with him and his spirit. And if Joseph was here through Jesus Christ and his teachings, we can actually go to there and have this incredible intimacy. Uh, we can hear his whispers every day. Jesus said, what I tell you at nighttime, um, uh, proclaim in the daylight what is whispered in your ear, shout from the rooftops. Uh, right now, if if you, uh, as a viewer to this, are not experiencing the daily whispers of Christ, uh, I know why. Because Jesus didn't just say you'll hear him. He told you how mm. to hear him. Mm -hmm. And that's what we get into. There's a whole chapter on in, in the book on how to hear the whispers of God. Um and so, uh, I anyway, know, I, I'm excited about it because it's all about coming into greater intimacy. I have, I have, I have a tough question for you. Uh, and this is probably not something, I don't know if you, if you address it directly in the book, but let's, let's face it. Your book has more words than the Bible has recorded words of Christ, right? Right. There's, there's I, it, it, just as far as volume, yeah, we have, you know, record of things that he did. Um but I mean, it's it's within a small window, and as far as like, you know, words, they're they're really not that many, as, as, at least not as much as there could be. Yeah, there's actually 1,900 statements, Randy, in the Gospels. 1,900 statements of Christ. 
80, listen to this, 80 conditional promises where he says, if you do this, I'll do that. Hmm. You do this, the Father will do that. You do this and the Holy Spirit will do that. They become the very basis of faith. And yet most believers, even Christian leaders I minister to, don't have a clue how many there are. They can name two or three, and there's 80 of them. And they are rich, and they are powerful, and they are miracle-making. And uh, and so right. that's well, one of the chapters uh, is, is growing your faith, only we call it God, God makes the deposits, you write the checks. And the problem is, look what Paul said. Paul said, faith comes by hearing, and hearing by what? The Word of Christ. Some translations say the Word of God. But the actual Greek is Christos, which is hmm. the word of Christ. Hmm. And yet most people don't know what he said. And so what this what what the chapter on faith does, it shows you where the uh, where the disciples completely failed. And in some points they had zero faith. For example, the faith to believe that they could forgive seven times hmm. or seven times seventy. Right. Jesus said if you even had a grain of, of faith the size of a mustard seed, right, you could right. say to this. So what the book shows is how we go from a general faith, yes, I believe in God, to meaningful specifics to change everything. Based on what? Based on feelings? No. Based on supposition? No. Based on the specific words of Jesus Christ himself. For example, he said, uh, he who believes in me. He didn't just limit this to his disciples. This is a broad statement mm -hmm. he who believes in me the works that i shoot the works that i do he shall do also and greater works than these shall he do because i go unto the father so we can do not obviously we can't do greater in quality we can't raise the dead we can't forgive people's sins that's the greatest miracle of all but we can do more why because we have the holy spirit the holy spirit isn't limited to one person in our case, it's limited to, to every believer. Right, and, and I think you're yes, getting—I think you're getting the answer of my tough question because to, just to finish that thought, we have—we have, uh, you know, I think enough from Christ, right? I think it's sufficient. I think the Scripture mm -hmm. is sufficient. But do, do we not have to learn to hear Him today in our daily yes. lives? And here's how we do that, Randy. Uh, Jesus, listen, I want you to listen. We have a whole chapter on coming into intimacy with God. We have a whole chapter on hearing the whispers. And here's the key. Listen to what Jesus said. He's giving his disciples their last-minute instructions. These guys are so confused. They don't know which is, end is up. They're panicked. They're in despair. Uh, it's as if your mom and dad, your dad spent a lifetime mentoring you, and he comes and he says, Randy, I'm going away, and I'm not going to see you again, but I'm going to give you these last-minute instructions. They're going to go right over your head for now. But when the Holy Spirit comes, don't worry. He'll teach you all things and bring to your memory everything I said unto you. So don't sweat it, but I'm, I'm going to say it for the record. Okay, that's what Jesus was saying at the Last Supper. So here it comes. He's going to give us the key to intimacy, and it has nothing to do with feelings. Okay, that's the good news for men. Men, you tell them, love God, and they go, oh, man, I can barely— uh, you know, I don't, I'm not emotional. Right. Well, you don't have to be emotional on this kind of love. It's agape love. So here's what he said. He's John 14, 21 through 24. He said, um, he who has my commands and keeps them, he it is who loves me. Hmm. Now here comes the intimacy. And he who loves me, my father will love, and I too will love. And here, here it comes. 
and I will reveal myself, my heart, my mind to him. Judas not Iscariot said unto him, Lord, how are you going to reveal yourself to us? What about the world? Now, here comes the broad statement, man, that applies to every believer, man, woman, boy, even my four-year-old granddaughter can understand this. Okay, here it comes. Anyone who has, here it comes, my teachings, the teachings of Jesus Christ, and keeps them, my Father will love him, and we will come to him, and now we go into the aorist tense, which is an incredible tense in the Greek. Uh, we will come to him, point in time, and make our continual dwelling place, that's mm -hmm. how it reads in the Greek, with him. So if you want God and the Lord Jesus with you on an airplane when you think you're going down, <laughs> on a life raft in the Pacific Ocean, uh, when you're camping out, camping with your tent, the condition, and it's not a hard one, is that we have the teachings of Jesus Christ, we meditate on those teachings, and he reveals himself, and we go from knowing about God to moving into intimacy with him. And look what Jesus said in John 17, 3, only place where eternal life, the entire Bible is defined. He said, and this is eternal life, that they might intimately know you, the only true God, hmm. and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. God's desire for everybody on this in this program, uh, according to Jeremiah 9.24, is that we come into intimacy with him. And Jesus shows us how. Hear what Jesus said, and by faith, empowered by grace, begin to do what he said. Now, he's not talking about the Bible. He's not talking about the Old Testament law. When he says, my teachings and my words, mm -hmm. he's talking about his specific teachings. When he talks about the Old Testament, he refers to it as the law, the yeah. poets, uh, scripture, and so on. But when he says, listen to me, and that's what God's message was at Transfiguration. Remember? Uh, there's Jesus and the two greatest prophets in Israel's history, Moses and Elijah. And Peter stands up and he says, hey, Lord, it's a good thing we're here. You want me to make you three monuments, one for you, one for the, uh, one for Elijah and one for Moses, yeah. Moses and Elijah. Yeah. And the angry voice of God <laughs> and big cloud comes in. It says they fell on their faces, terrified, it says, this is my son. My beloved son, he's not a prophet. He's not a sinner that needs a savior. Mm. He's my son. Hear him. So 1900 statements of Christ, if you begin to meditate on those statements found in the gospels, uh, then Christ promises that he'll, he'll bring them to your memory. He said uh, the Holy Spirit's ministry, he will teach you all things and bring to your memory whatsoever things I've said unto you. That's how you hear the whispers. The Holy Spirit whispers the statements of Christ. 1900 glorious statements. And, and um, it, then, it begins in the Gospels. Then you got to do them. Right? Yeah. Yeah. It's so, I yeah. mean, the, hearing, remembering, and obedience. I mean, and we, we, tr we yes. complicate this thing, but what I hear you saying is that it's, it's not that, it may be difficult to do, but it's not that difficult in concept. Um, no, it's a simple concept. And the thing is, we can't do it in our flesh. Our own nature has no desire to follow God. God's righteous, holy, loving, uh, forgiving. That's not our old nature. But with the power of the Holy Spirit, through grace, that's the fruit of the Spirit. The Spirit wants to give you everything you need. Listen how hard this is. Uh, pray for those who curse you. Yeah, right. Now, okay, 
It's not an emotion. It is a choice. And same thing about forgiveness. You know, Jesus said, not Steve Scott, Jesus said, if you don't forgive, you're not going to be forgiven. Ooh, that's a bad one. He said it more than once. But it's bad because we misunderstand forgiveness. And we have a whole chapter on forgiveness in this because it's such a critical point. And to, for, to forgive doesn't mean to emotionally embrace uh, reconciliation. It doesn't mean any of that. It, the Hebrew, Greek, and Aramaic word literally mean to untie and release. So you release that person from their obligation to you. That's what forgiveness is. And it doesn't mean reconciliation. If I was counseling somebody who's, whose husband was beating the wife and the kids, I would never recommend reconciliation. Mm. Neither would Jesus. Are you kidding me? Mm-hmm. In fact, the husband would be stoned under the law uh, <laughs> for doing that. And uh, so no reconciliation to a dead person, but you can untie them and release them from their obligation to make things good to you. Hmm. So we get into what it means to release and it's a choice. It's not an emotion. I remember one lady that we were ministering to uh, her husband, Randy had run off with uh, his secretary. He was a doctor and he ran off with his secretary after 18 years of marriage, left her and the three kids. And when she heard this message, she ran upstairs, uh, it was in a Bible study, and she was yelling, I cannot forgive him, I will not forgive him. 18 years, her intimacy was God, with God was blocked mm. by a stone the size of Mount Everest mm. because she refused to forgive. Well, one of my friends who had this teaching went upstairs, was with her two hours. She comes down two hours later and says, I'm free, I'm free. She finally realized we don't forgive. And this is what we get into in the chapter. Here's the key to forgiveness. We don't forgive because of anything the person's done. We forgive because of what Christ has done for us. Mm. He forgave us the billion-dollar debt, and the biggest debt anybody can lodge against us is a 10-cent debt. Mm. It may be big to us, but it's not big to God. So we forgive because it's a way we honor God's forgiving of us. When we refuse to forgive, we are saying to God, hey, God, I know you gave your son. You let him be executed to cover my sin, but I really don't. I'm not that grateful for it, so I'm going to go ahead and hold this person accountable. And uh, you it, see, this is the cool thing is forgiveness is a choice, and it's not emotional. You untie if you don't untie that person and they go into arrogance, they'll pull you right into it. They go into uh, uh, pride, uh, greed or worldliness or self-centeredness. Guess what? You're still tied to them. When you forgive, you release them. Mm-hmm. And now there's nothing that can come between you and God because you have obeyed God. C.S. Lewis, and we quote him in the book, said forgiveness is, everybody thinks forgiveness is a lovely thing until we have something to forgive okay and then and uh but he also said uh the christian must forgive the inexcusable in others because god has forgiven the inexcusable in us yeah yeah and certainly see that through the the life of joseph uh and just as a reminder the joseph principles is a, a stephen k scott's latest book and he explores these things uh, and, and, and in a way that I think most people can really get and apply, and which is really what I like about Amen. Steve in so many ways, is, mm-hmm. is he explains things that are scriptural in a way that you go, okay, I get it. 
and now I can do it. Uh, and there's mm-hmm. there's something in your book that that I, I want you to touch on a little bit because uh, it's it's sounding it sounds kind of exciting. You call it treasure hunting. Ooh, this <laughs> sets people free, yeah. Randy. I I shared the manuscript with a uh, one of my distributors in uh, Costa Rica, and uh, uh, she read it on the way home. Uh, her daughter, her adult daughter, told me she cried the whole time she was reading it. Mm-hmm. And what we teach is what Gary Ta- Smalley taught me uh, about 40 years ago, mm-hmm. and it's been in my ministry ever since, in Gary's ministry. It's called treasure hunting. And what it does, you see, anytime there's rubble in your life, and your dad's a perfect example of this. Oh, my gosh, what yeah. he went through as a child, mm-hmm. okay? And what we do, instead of running away from the trauma, which keeps us from having intimacy with God, we return to the trauma, and guess what? We clear the rubble, and hidden in that rubble, we show people how to find 100-carat diamonds, diamonds this big. Mm. And when they see those diamonds, it's like, wow, God, thank you for that terrible thing. Because look at the diamond. It left me. I just never saw it. You don't see it. Other people around you haven't seen it. But when you discover, you can truly be grateful for even the most terrible, horrific experiences. This lady had been molested by her father uh, every day from the time she was four years old till she left home at 14. Okay. And she treasure hunted. She found these incredible treasures. Mm. And when she did, she thanked God, not just for the treasures, but for the trauma that created the treasures. See, in all things and for all things, give thanks. I have to question you on that because you would, you, it can't be right to thank God for abuse thank God for an alcoholic father in my dad's case. How, how, how do you differentiate between the, the things that are clearly evil and the things that God can pull out of that? I mean, because I don't want to, I would, I would never want to imply that it was God's no, will no, and design this does not that, that a girl be abused. Okay, yeah. This is a good point. Listen, yeah. this doesn't excuse the horrific behavior. Okay. Doesn't excuse it. Doesn't require reconciliation. But what happens is you see what came out of it. Do you think your dad would be the man today if he had grown up in a, in a, with a loving father and, uh, uh, and not ever had that? I don't think he would. Yeah, I, I think that, that God used that. See, we see that in Joseph. If I have a chapter called The Big Flip, and your dad's story is my illustration for modern. But I, I can right. show you 100 big flips in my life, hmm. how God takes the very worst thing, flips it, Jesus Christ, perfect example. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Jesus Christ is the perfect example. Um, you know what? Satan thought he high-fived all the demons at Calvary. He had killed God's son. Yeah. He had ended God's plan. What did God do? Flipped it. Three days later, Jesus rose from the grave, and he brought salvation to the very people Satan was trying to keep it away yeah. from. Okay, that's called the big flip. And what happens when you see the big flip? That's what Joseph saw. You meant it for evil. It doesn't excuse their evil. Right. But God meant it for good. And Randy, a sparrow doesn't fall from the nest apart from the will of your father. A friend of mine, a a dear friend of mine, four weeks ago, her adult daughter, mother of two, 
and the friends she was with were murdered in cold blood. Mm. And then the guy went and committed suicide. Mm. And my, obviously my friend is devastated and anybody, I would be devastated. Everybody, how can you not be devastated? And her first question was the question everybody has asked me. I have a ministry with people who've lost children, not mm. intentionally. It just God keeps every year. He brings these people in front of me. The question that on everybody's heart, where was God? Mm-hmm. Where was God? I'll tell you where God was. He was there. And guess what? He greeted her with angels behind him. That day she was murdered. He was there and guess, yes, she walked away from this life, but right into the arms of Jesus Christ. And uh, does that mean that he made it happen? No, of course not. Man's evil doesn't need any help, mm-hmm. but God doesn't forget, forsake the sparrows when they're falling out of the nest. He receives those sparrows in his hand. And see, one of the things the Joseph Principle does is it helps us gain a much broader perspective. Life, our life on earth is this yeah. tiny, yeah. this tiny. Guess what? Yeah. Eternity, the sky couldn't contain it. Mm-hmm. And God's perspective is different than ours. We really get into that. But anyway, back to treasure hunting, you find those. Paul said, in all things and for all things, give thanks, for this is the will of God concerning you. And he was saying it to people who are being persecuted they were literally being murdered for christ and uh how do i give thanks for that well because i don't i look past that to the very god that has my eternal destiny we show you god doesn't have to make things right during your lifetime Mm -hmm. he's got eternity yeah to make things glorious yeah and and overcomes the evil in this (laughs) lifetime yeah with with good uh yeah that eternal perspective is, is huge and i think it it's natural for the christian as we get older a little a little longer in this life and closer to the next life to yeah really think in those terms but re- that really is healthy i mean it's something i had to, i had to deal with when my younger sister passed away um, you know many years ago at a at too young of an age and and that eternal perspective uh, it's god's perspective it really should be ours uh so that, that's really well, good there's a chapter on grief because grief, grief is a godly emotion, okay? God mm. gave us that emotion, mm. and it's an outlet, and it really helps us to, to heal, and that's its purpose. But when you have something serious, like I have a ministry, like I said, with people who've lost children, which is the hardest kind of grief, and what happens, that level of grief hijacks your soul, it hijacks your mind, it hijacks your spirit, it hijacks your minutes, your moments, your hours. You go to, you wake up grieving, you go to bed grieving, you grieve all day, okay? Mm-hmm. It's horrible, because I've walked people through this. Well, we have a chapter on grief that shows you, Jesus said, no man can serve two masters. When grief becomes your master, which it will be, mm-hmm. when you go through hard grief, it becomes the master of your moments mm-hmm. and robs you from God's, uh, intimacy with God. So what we do is we show people who are in that kind of grief, and I've seen it work in every single case with somebody grieving the loss of a child. I've seen 100% success rate. We show them how to bring Christ back into their 
life as master, not of a year or a lifetime or a week or a month or a day, how to bring him back to be master of the moment you're in. That's the only hope. You know, you, you don't need a life raft that's a year away. Yeah. You need a life preserver when you're drowning in the ocean right, right now. now. So we show you how Christ will be that master. And mm. guess what happens? We, In fact, we have a whole chapter. It's called Turning Off the Power of Your Worries and Fears and Stress and Your Sorrows, Regrets, Anger, Bitterness, Resentment. Mm. There's a switch. God shows Jesus showed us how in John chapter 4. And he gave us three reset buttons. So anytime my, I'm not in the moment, because he wants you in the moment that you're in. Okay, right now, Randy, it's you and me and the viewer in the moment we're in. And God is here because Jesus promised wherever two or three are gathered together in my name, I'll be in their midst. So Christ is here right now. But he's in the moment. God isn't the I will be or I was. He's the I am. Yeah. When you come into the moment with Christ, and we have a whole chapter on this, guess what happens? You see miracles in the moment. You experience God's presence in the moment. I mean, it is life-changing. You experience the other person in the moment. When I learned this concept about 10 years ago, it changed everything. Mm. And I've been teaching it, and people tell me, whoa. See, the average person, 50% of their waking moments are either in the future, it might be as close as I wonder what's for lunch, yeah. uh, or their past, it might be as near as, gee, I can't believe my wife said that to me today, um, or that driver cut me off. Anytime your mind's straight, it's going away. Guess where God is? He's not in your past and he's not in your future. He's in the moment you're in. Mm. So you're pulling away from him when you go there, and you're pulling away from anybody else sharing that moment. When you learn how to come into the moment, and like I said, Christ gives us three re reset buttons. You push that button, you're instantly in the moment. Guess what? You're an instant blessing to anybody around you. I have prayed with soldiers in the airport where they I've come into the moment. They're passing me. I stop. I engage them for a moment. We pray, and I've had soldiers tell me, I'm going to my deployment, a different person, hmm. okay? Because I came into the moment. Hmm. And that's something that is going to trend. If a person did nothing else with the Joseph principles except begin to use Jesus' three reset buttons to come into the moment, their life changes that moment, that day, that hour. They don't have to wait a year to get come into intimacy with Christ. You're, how old are your kids, Randy? They're all in their 20s now. Okay. Um, when they were five years old, you could have brought them into intimacy with Christ by teaching the very things. And they may have had it completely apart from this because God, you know, he has a special place in his heart for children. But everything I teach in the Joseph principles, I teach to my kids and my grandkids. I have grandkids that are, uh, you know, three years old, five years old, seven years old. <laughs> I can teach them how to have intimacy with Christ right now. Why? Because I teach them what Jesus said, and then I give them an example of how they can do it on the playground, how they can do it that night with their parents, and so on. All right, you said you said three reset buttons. You got to at least tell us one on the program, <laughs> and then I'll point okay. to the book. We're, I'll, I'll I know we're really getting a little long here, but I got to hear at least one of them. Okay, uh, I'll give you all three. There in John four thirty five, Jesus said to his disciples, "Do you not say there are four months, and then will come the harvest?" 
Okay, it's four months away. Jesus is going to do his next big thing in four months, so we'll wait till then. He says, I tell you, here it comes. Look up. Reset number one. Come into the moment. Hmm. Reset number two. Behold. Look at the fields right in front of you. Right now, Randy, you're my field. Hmm. You and your viewer are my fields. I am in the moment. I'm not thinking about anything else. I'm fully in that moment. So we, we look at the fields in front of us. So that might be the receptionist when you come into work. Hmm. Uh, it might be the person at the lunch table next to you. It might be your flight attendant. It might be, okay, behold, who's in that moment with you? And then harvest. How do you harvest? You harvest what's in the moment. You know, you pick a tree from the fruit, a fruit from the tree that's right in front of you. You don't walk a mile to the next grove. There's a big apple. You pull it down. Mm. Okay, what do you do? You don't preach. You become a representative of Jesus Christ in that moment. If the person needs to be left alone, you leave them alone. If they need an ear to, to tell you something, you listen. It, wives want this. Okay, <laughs> so we'll listen. Uh, if, if they need a shoulder to cry on, Mm. here's your shoulder. Here's your hug. My wife always tells me, I need a hug, honey. We had four kids at home and they're all gone. And she used to get hugs all the time. She needs a hug from me. So what does Jesus do? He gives her a hug through me. It's harvesting what's in front of you. Mm. Easy. Anybody can do it. And then there's a fourth reset button that we get into that Paul gave and I'll save that one for the book. <laughs> okay. But yeah, you know, rejoice with those who are rejoicing, weep with those who weep. That's very much Amen. in the moment. Uh, I, I get that. I, I got to ask you one last question because we're okay. talking about Joseph, as you are in, in this book. He is known for dreams and visions. And I don't want to get, you know, deep into some theological debate, but bottom line is do you think God still speaks in those ways? If he didn't, I wouldn't have a business today. <laughs> okay, I did over a thousand projects using a thing called vision mapping. Hmm. Uh, Solomon said, without a vision, the people perish. No, we can have visions every day. They're not necessarily mystical. I've only had one mystical vision in my whole life. It was when I was 19 years old. And it was about a friend of mine who had just died, okay? A singer in one of my Christian singing groups. Hmm. And... Um, I had that vision. So that's in, I, I've been a follower of Christ. I came out of atheism 58 years ago. Hmm. One, one of those visions, but, but, so I don't deny them. I don't promote them or anything, but anything that's important to you, your marriage, a uh, coming up vacation, a project at work, you need to gain a vision. And this is where the visions that we don't see with here, Joseph, that he had. Any time, it said he was the most successful businessman in history, 100%. Everything he did was successful. Why? He would gain a vision for what had to be done, and here it comes. He would map out how to get from where he's at now or where Egypt and Israel are at right now, where they're going to starve to where they're going to have an abundance of food. Okay, how do I get from here to there? Then he creates a map, just like a Google map. Uh, he breaks that vision into goals, goals into steps, steps into tasks. I take the first step, complete the first task, take the step. So we got a chapter on that kind of vision mapping, how to gain a vision for anything. If your marriage is dying, it's because two of you, at least one of you has lost the vision. Mm, yeah. If you no longer enjoy your work, it's because you've lost your vision. Mm -hmm. Anybody can bring a vision back. And your vision, look at what COVID did to us. It taught us how to use Zoom. Yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. So I, I don't have to travel all over the world now. I can I can zoom anybody anywhere. So vision mapping, and then there's a cycle for visions that follows that chapter. It's called the 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 psych God's cycle for your visions, and it's birth of a vision, death of a vision. When the vision dies, then God either gives it back with His glory mm. and blessing, or He gives you a better vision. Mm-hmm. See, but your visions will go through the birth, the dying process, and then the rebirth or a new vision. Mm-hmm. And so that we give a whole chapter on that. And that's important so people realize God hasn't deserted me. Yeah. I, he's just changing my vision. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's funny you mentioned that. I'm leaving this interview today and heading out to the set of The Chosen. And Dallas Jenkins mm-hmm. went through exactly that where his vision totally died and God rebirthed a new one in the chosen. And look at that. It's just crazy. Amen. Steve, I appreciate you. Uh, Oh, ditto Randy. (laughs) It was a great, great conversation. A lot of food for thought and goodness. uh, I want to point people to your website. Let me grab that real quick. It looks like this. It is Stephen K. Scott. There you are on Larry King. Wow. Who's that younger? Is that your son? Uh, (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Um, This is Stephen K. Scott.com. So you can, you can go to that website and scroll down. You'll, you'll see. Oh, let me answer one more question. Okay. The, you go but, for it. the butter, the subtitle is, uh, uh, turning, uh, adversity and, and heartache into miraculous living. People say, why the butterfly, the half developed butterfly. I did wonder because that. that's how people, people go through life that way. They've huh. got, they've got some parts that God's completed that look beautiful. And mm. they think, you know, but the, all they can do, if that butterfly starts tries to fly, he's just going to flap and go around in circles. Okay? But when we come into intimacy with Christ, and that's what the book's really about, then that other wing fills up, and then we can fly. But it's only through intimacy with Jesus Christ. Interesting. I love it. I, I was curious about that, so... I, I, I didn't ask it, and I appreciate you answering it anyway. And uh, it's a cool cover, by the way. Steve, again, thank you. Appreciate you. Oh, thank you, dear brother. Appreciate you guys out there watching, hanging out. Uh, I hope this has blessed you. If it has, hit that share button. Uh, and if you're watching this later and in, in wherever, whatever timetable you're watching it on, love to hear your comments, your thoughts, what, what maybe touched you uh, in the comments section, wherever you're watching. And uh, if you haven't liked, follow, subscribed, do that now. And we'll see you again next time. We've got more for you here on Life Today Live. You're about to ask big. I'm believing God for favor in my life. Above all that I can ask.